Hey, 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 and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. We are live from Jupiter, Florida. Not really Jupiter, I guess. Technically, I'm in West Palm right now. I'm back at my Airbnb after a day at Cardinals camp. What a day it was, getting out in the sun, getting my steps in. Because when you're at Cardinals camp, you've got the little picnic table area that has been talked about, that people know about, right there next to the player's parking lot. And then you've got the Cardinals clubhouse, the Major League clubhouse, right there next to the picnic area. And so on one side of the picnic area is the clubhouse. On the other side is a fence that says St. Louis Cardinals across it. And on the other side of that fence, behind the fence, you got some some bullpens, you know, pitching mounds, some areas for pitchers to do some throwing. And then behind that is the first field. And you're winding and walking through all these backfields as you're spending your day following the Cardinals around, watching practice. If you're a Cardinals fan, I'll just say this. If you're a Cardinals fan and you've never been uh, to spring training in Jupiter, you got to go. It's a, it's a fantastic time. And a lot of people, when, when I hear them talk about they're planning a trip, they talk about, okay, well, we'll wait till the games start and we'll try to pick out a couple of good games that would be good to go to. Uh, to be honest with you, if I were in your shoes, I would rather come during the part of spring training where there aren't any games being played yet because I think it's a much more intimate setting it's it's really interesting uh you know if you can if you can manage it for a week or so you can come right at the tail end of these daily practices that you know they they happen in the morning you get up around nine or ten o'clock the the players after their meetings or whatever they have to do in their clubhouse inside they come out to the fields they're doing drills they're throwing in the case of the pitchers hitting in the case of the position players it's just really interesting to watch and, and something that you know, you, you watch batting practice during the regular season if you can get there real early to a, to a regular season game, and, and that's kind of cool. This is such a different setting because you're literally just right on the other side of the fence from the field, and it's just like playing, you know, on a, on a Little League field. Like, they're nice facilities, they're nice fields, but the, the access is unprecedented compared to what you would have in the regular season, and even what you have if you go to Roger Dean Stadium for an actual game. You know, these are just chain-link metal fences between you and the players on the field. So all these backfields, it's pretty cool, and I, you, you got to go. And if I, if you do, I recommend going during the portion of spring, which right now till like, you know, 10 days or so from now, I guess like the 21st or 22nd is when they start playing games. So even right now, even though position players have not reported and, and won't have to report officially until like the 17th, I think is their first day of official workouts, a lot of the guys are already here. I would say the majority are, and they're getting their work in on the fields, and it's just fun to watch. And so if, if you ever are tempted to make the trip down, I think you should do it, and I would recommend coming even before games start because that's pretty interesting. And then by about noon or so, sometimes maybe even a little bit before, the day's over and you can go enjoy uh, some of the restaurants, the beaches around Jupiter. So I'm not trying to do a tourism segment for uh, the, the, the town of Jupiter, though maybe I should be. Uh, but I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's a great time. And I, I don't want to uh, kind of pour salt on the wound, but I hear it's it's pretty cold up in Missouri today in like the teens for the temperature. So if you're there listening to this podcast, I apologize, and I will try not to rub it in your face too much. But let's talk about the day that was at Cardinals camp. We got to view some of the guys throwing. Carlos Martinez threw today. Wayno threw today. 
Jack Flaherty got his throws in today. Bullpen session. Interesting element of uh, the first couple of days of these bullpen sessions for the pitchers is it's like a yellow string connected to some posts that sits about, you know, 18 inches or so off the ground. Basically, wherever the bottom of the strike zone would be, that's where essentially these yellow ropes or strings or whatever you want to call them are stationed. And so you're watching the guys throw their bullpens, and essentially what they're trying to do with their their pitches is throw the ball and hit this twine, this string, this rope, and that would indicate that they're, you know, in command of the bottom of the strike zone, and that's something that the uh, pitchers have been working on over the first couple of days at spring camp. But got to see some of that today, some of the guys throwing. Uh, You know, it's bullpen session. It's kind of hard to take a lot of in-depth, you know, material from what these guys are doing this early in spring training, but it's good to see the guys out there. And certainly when you're you're up, up as close as you can get, for for uh to those backfields and those bullpen mounds out over next to the backfields you you can see live and up close what these guys these professional athletes are are capable of doing and so they're not necessarily ramped up to full gear just yet but uh you know everybody everybody looks good right the be- the best shape of their life um uh, but a little more interesting was i think uh getting to see and again only so much you can take from guys taking batting practice as far as takeaways or you know, viewpoints, but the hitters that did get into the cage today uh, was kind of cool to, to see those guys. And I think one thing that you look for this early, especially in spring training, is, okay, what differences can we spot in a guy's swing or a guy's batting stance from what we remember him doing a year ago? Uh, you know, Dexter Fowler, you could notice today his hands were much higher than has been the case in the past. Does that mean he's he's, you know, revamped his swing and is going to approach things differently time will tell right a lot of times guys make these changes to their swings and they they don't necessarily stick or they revert back and they you know didn't feel as comfortable comfortable as they wanted it to and so this is definitely that time of year when you're going to tinker with things a little bit now as for a guy like Matt Carpenter I know video uh, that showed up online yesterday I believe the one I saw was from Frank Cusimano you know you could tell it just Carpenter had a little bit of a different look to the way he was swinging the bat, and it looked like a more line drive oriented approach, just straight to the baseball. Uh, you know his stance was a little bit different. Like you could just sense these little differences after you watch guys. You know fans know this as well. You see guys play 162 games a year. Oftentimes you're going to notice these little differences on occasion, and we'll see whether some of them stick or not. I know Paul DeYoung uh, had his feet a little bit wider in his batting stance yesterday, so. Different things like that you're going to see this time of year. And, you know, excited, interested to see how how these guys end up performing in the games. I say, you know, you should come to spring training and get a look at these guys up close. I absolutely mean that. But it doesn't necessarily indicate that you're going to look at these guys in this setting prior to spring training games being played and learn a whole heck of a lot. Because in the saying goes, everybody always says they're in the best shape of their life when they come to spring training. I referenced it earlier. But that's kind of the way you want to view things and the way you want to look at these guys when they're out there just practicing. Like, yeah, a lot of times they do look good taking batting practice. Certainly we're not going to make any sweeping generalizations about the team or any individual players from what we see out here. Especially, you know, now you get into live BP and some things like that where where pitchers are 
are doing their best to to prove themselves and to make the team, and the hitters are doing the same thing on the other side. That's definitely a little bit of a different story uh, compared to one of your one of your coaches throwing you some batting practice out on the field. But hey, you know we got to see Dylan Carlson swing in the cage today. Got to see Nolan Gorman swing in the cage today. Um, got to see Luke and Baker for the first time up close. And let me tell you, that dude is stacked. He and I posted the picture to Twitter. Or it was a video of him taking a swing. And I'll relay the story when you're just standing there on the other side of the fence. You know, fans are right there, right behind the, the batting cage. Just like you'd be like, you know, at the, at the Little League field, O'Fallon, Missouri, the Ozzie Smith Complex, if you're familiar. Like, you're that close if you want to be. Stand right up against the, the cage and there you are. And so Mike Gersh was walking uh, on the other side, which, you know, right behind where home plate would be. They had the batting cage set up and there was a fan in a blues hat, actually. But, it, you know, certainly a Cardinal, Cardinal guy, too. And he asked, who's the big kid? A little bit after Luke and Baker got finished with his, taking his swings in the cage. And, you know, of course, Gersh told them that's Luke and Baker and, you know, Cardinals prospect. And, yeah, this guy is a big dude. Um, had some people responding that he looked like a right-handed Matt Adams, the uh, the 22-year-old Baker out of Spring, Texas, which Spring, Texas is the place that's got that pretty good barbecue place just outside of Houston. Can't remember the name of it. And when I lived in, you know, I lived down near Austin, Texas area for about a year and a half. Um, just got back living in Missouri now, excited to be covering the team. All the home games and as many road series as I can get myself to this year. So excited for that. But my little hiatus down in, in Texas had me driving through Spring, Texas one time. And I was like, oh, that's the place with the barbecue. And I, I went there about 1 p.m., only to find that they were already sold out of all their barbecue. So I know St. Louis loves its barbecue. I'm here to tell you, Texas takes that stuff seriously. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But uh, yeah, Luke and Baker played for TCU in college, fellow Horn Frog with uh, Matt Carpenter, who also was a Texas Christian University player. But yeah, so Luke and Baker, people were saying he looks like a right-handed Matt Adams. Luke and Baker actually looks bigger than Matt Adams. And, and I don't know, you know, Matt Adams had lost weight, and so I know he's slimmed down from where he was, but not just in like size, but height and Luke and Baker, you look at his, like his lower half, his legs, like the power that he can generate from, from that body type, I would believe, uh, could be pretty substantial. And, you know, he's developing with the Cardinals as, as of yet finished last season, uh, played for Palm beach. So he was down here in the, in the high a ball league, um, didn't hit for a ton of power yet, but Still had 10 home runs and 496 plate appearances. And that Florida State League, I know, is, is kind of tough oftentimes to, to do a whole lot offensively. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his path for this season is. Uh, you know, he's he's behind in trajectory. Other guys like like Nolan Gorman is, is the big one that comes up quite frequently. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets to Springfield, if they give him a shot at AA and, and how he would perform. Um, I would think for the start of the year, unless he, you know, gets some opportunities early in camp and, and shows a lot of development, they'll probably stick him at high A 
at least to start the season, the 2020 season again, because again, 244 batting average, 327 on base, 390 slug for a 716 OPS. Those were his numbers last season in Palm Beach. So nothing that jumps off the page, and they might want him to get his feet wet a little bit more. And then, you know, sometimes it's not even about the production, though, uh, at that level. And like they did with Gorman last year, they called him up a level from Peoria to Palm Beach, I believe it was. Just, you know, it's not like he was blowing everybody away in Peoria, but it was – you know, they, they they wanted that to be the next step in his progression to test him and, and see what he could do. Maybe that'll be something that Baker has a has a, a chance to do, an opportunity as, as time goes along here. Because you look at performance, I mean, in high A ball, same league as, as Baker, I just said 716 uh, was his OPS. Gorman last year was 732. Now, it was only in about a third of a regular season, not quite half of a regular season, and 732, again, Gorman was not blowing guys away down there. But something you got to remember about him, he's 19 years old. Uh, you know, Luke and Baker had a collegiate career at TCU. Gorman drafted straight out of high school. Uh, you know, same uh, draft class as Libertor, his buddy. So he's got a learning curve, especially. But with the fact that, you know, you talk about why are we so excited about Gorman with these numbers? I mentioned with Baker in that context, not numbers aren't necessarily everything at this at this low of a level in the minor leagues. You like to see that production, but especially when it comes to Nolan Gorman, you know, at 19 years old to be playing high A, according to baseball reference, looking at his page now, that's, that's minus 3.4 years off the average age of a player in that league. So when you're a teenager and you're playing against guys that are on average 22, 23 years old, and, and you're competing, you're hanging in the way Gorman has, that's a, that's a reason to be excited about him. And, and we'll see if he's able to make a leap this year uh, to Springfield at some point or, you know, potentially beyond. I would think for him to, to make a progression, start in Palm Beach, perform well, work his way up to where by the end of the season he's in Springfield, he's acclimated and he's playing well, uh, that, would, that would be certainly a nice progression. And we saw with Dylan Carlson, he was able to last season a little bit older. This will be uh, the age 20 season for Gorman as he'll turn 20 years old in May. Dylan Carlson, a little bit older, but not by much, but comparing to what he did last year, was able to do really well in Springfield. And then by the end of the year, they said, okay, let's give him a shot at AAA, just see how he performs in the final month of the season. And he tore the cover off the ball. And so that's what's got a lot of people excited looking at Carlson coming into into the season and especially into the spring to see whether or not he could potentially make an impact early fighting for a spot on that roster. And, you know, not on the 40 man yet, but they'll find a spot for him if they decide they want to. And, and they want to put him on the, uh, the 26 man roster at the start of the regular season. But another guy that's going to be fighting for, uh, at least playing opportunity. He's already got his roster spot sewed up based on the guaranteed major league contract that the Cardinals gave him this week is Brad Miller. And I know a lot of people, when the Cardinals signed Brad Miller, said, who? What? Brad Miller? Like, why is this a, a deal the Cardinals are making? Oh, he's a he's an infielder and, and plays multiple positions, and, and you know, he could play the outfield too. Okay, don't they already have that guy? His name's Tommy Edmond. Yes, but is Tommy Edmond not a pretty good player? He showed last year he could, he could play at this level. He could contribute in a meaningful way. If Brad Miller is Tommy Edmond, or at least what Tommy Edmond was a year ago, that'd be pretty good. You know, 850 OPS, plays solid defense at a variety of positions. You want as many of those guys as you can get on your roster. Not to mention Brad Miller hits left-handed. Tommy Edmond, obviously a switch hitter, but 
Uh, I think the lefty component is certainly something the Cardinals have been searching for uh, as an addition to that bench for a while. Now you say, okay, but what does it matter if he's not able to perform? If he doesn't hit, it's not really going to be that much of an upgrade. It's just, okay, he's batting left-handed. Big deal. You know, I don't care what the, the, the handedness is of the guy if he doesn't perform. Well, in the case of Brad Miller, I think we have a reason to believe that he very well could perform this year for the Cardinals. And I just finished up earlier this afternoon a pretty in-depth story on Miller. We got to talk to him today uh, for the first time. Uh, likeable guy. I think Cardinals fans, if they get a chance to get to know him, if he plays and he plays well, uh, he's a guy that I think fans will enjoy hearing from when he talks and when he has an opportunity to open himself up a little bit to the fan base. I think fans will like him. Uh, of course, like I said, production has to come with that. So guys tend to be a lot more likable when they're playing well. You know, they're in better moods when they talk, whatever the case might be. But with Miller, you know, talking to him, it's, it's he's got a good perspective, I think, on the game. Seems like he's he's got some good insights, willing to kind of, you know, sometimes you, you meet a, a player first on, you don't exactly know what you're going to get. I think Miller is a guy that, that you know, not only will, will fans like to hear from him, I think media will probably enjoy talking to him and then and doing some research for the story it, I, I was like this something about this guy I can't remember but it, I, what it was was last season and again I wrote about this pretty extensively check it out over at kmov.com or on the baseball STL app I tweeted it out actually too so you can you can find the story there at bshafer12 on my on my uh, twitter feed but I knew in thinking about Brad Miller like there's something about this guy I can't remember what it is and then it, it dawned on me today as I was doing research on the story, he played for four teams last season. Uh, not all at the major league level, but he was a part of four different organizations. Started out late in spring training, signed with the Dodgers uh, to a minor league contract. Had a pretty good spring for them. Hit like 385 in limited sample size. But then when it came time for you know them to decide opening day rosters, he did not make the cut. That they weren't going to give him a roster spot. And they would have liked to have sent him to the minors. He elected to be released. Then he signed with the Indians like end of March, so he started the season with them. First, like, three weeks of the season, he played, like, 13 games. And then they designate him for assignment when somebody else came off the injured list, and he basically said, and this is what made headlines, that the Indians don't want the best players. They're not worried about having the best players. He said his quote was, they acknowledged that it wasn't fair in reference to him being cut, but I'm just a player. I go out there and play my hardest and play for the guys next to me, Obviously, they don't want the best guys up here, so I'm just trying to take it somewhere else and see what we've got. Obviously, ultimately, he ended up having 13 home runs in a, in a 170 plate appearances for the season, uh, did most of that damage with the Phillies after they acquired him from the Yankees. So he spent some time in the minor leagues with the Yankees, did really well, and Philly was like, why is this guy not getting a major league job? We'll get him. And so they acquired him for cash considerations, Philly put him in the lineup for uh, you know fairly regular basis, enough to, to, to get his uh, home run total up to 13 for the season. And so he had nice numbers. OPS of 894, had a good season. But it was, it was kind of funny thinking back, like, oh, yeah, he made headlines last April. He got cut and basically said, yeah, the Indians, they, they're not worried about having the best players. And that was the thing that was kind of picked up as a, a little bit of a blip on the national radar there. Uh, for a little bit I just had I remembered reading about that and so first of all a guy that'll you know kind of be blunt tell it like it is at least tell you what's on his mind like whether or not that that's true of the Indians and whether or not he was you know deserving of the spot at the time and and they made a mistake in in dropping him I mean obviously as it turns out he he probably would have been a helpful player to their team 
But, you know, you could say the same thing for even the, I mean, any team. The Yankees had him next, and they never called him up. Had him in AAA the whole time before they traded him away. And interesting that the Dodgers, the Indians, and the Yankees, all teams he played for last year, all made the playoffs, but then the team that he ended up with didn't make the playoffs. And so that's something that he talked about today as well. Like, he's just a guy trying to make the playoffs. I want to make the playoffs. That's what, you know, he wants to to be able to play those meaningful games. Hasn't happened for him yet in, in his career. Uh, turned 30 years old in October. So that's something at this point in his career that he's definitely looking for. And so I thought, okay, this Brad Miller guy, good fit for the bench, whatever. But, like, the more you look at his numbers and the reasons behind why he hadn't necessarily had those numbers in the, the few seasons prior – you know, he was a 30-home run guy back in 2016 and then kind of fell off the map. And when you look into it, it's basically injuries. He had multiple surgeries, different things he had to, to clean up. And then, you know, having done that, was starting the 2019 season ready for a shot. And it took him a little bit of time to get that shot. But once he did, you know, he performed. He performed honestly better than he did in that 30-home run season back in 2016 that kind of put him on the map. And so, look, you got a guy who's got a 30 home run season to his credit coming off a season in which he had an OPS near 900, you know, still in his prime years of his career, you could say age 30, no reason to expect that he's about to drop off a cliff. Uh, if, if this guy stays healthy, I'm not saying he's Tommy Edmond, and, and I'm not even saying that Tommy Edmond, by the way, is Tommy Edmond, like Tommy Edmond could have a little bit of a sophomore slump too. It's not impossible that that would be the case. Now, I think he's a smart player and is probably going to be pretty perceptive uh, when when it comes to having slumps and, and trying to figure out how to get out of those things and determining, you know, what are other opposing pitchers trying to do to me? How can I combat that? I think he's a guy that, you know, is relatively slump-proof, and I think he showed last year that his game is pretty solid. So I think Edmund's going to have a nice year. But there's no reason, the more you look into it, that Brad Miller can't also be, you know, a considerable guy with a, with an actual role on this team you know yesterday I kind of thought well he, he at the very least he replaces Jairo Munoz on the 26-man roster if everybody's healthy and maybe that's the case that that could still end up being the case you know Munoz certainly is going to be a guy that wants to fight for his time and his opportunity as well and and I'm sure he'll he'll do so this spring but you look at Brad Miller at the surface okay left-handed bat hits for some power that's nice to have off your bench but when you consider he can play at so many positions and has gotten better as his career has gone along, I think, defensively as he, he learns some of these other positions. Like, he came up not really, he came up a shortstop. You look at the metrics, they're not friendly to him. Minus two, minus three defensive runs saved throughout the first few years of his career. And then I, th- I think it was 2016, he was like negative 14 defensive runs saved. And it's like, okay, something's got to give. You're probably not a shortstop. Uh, but, you know, move him around a little bit. He learned the outfield. Uh, said today Andy Van Slyke was a guy who taught him uh, a lot, hit him a bunch of fungos uh, as one of his coaches when he was learning how to how to play the outfield. And so as of last year, he actually was a, a positive in defensive runs saved as an outfielder. I think most of his time in left field. And so he'll play some second base. He'll probably play some third base. And more than anything, he'll be a bat that the Cardinals will probably want to get into the majority of games, even if it's just for one at bat late with a game on the line as a pinch hitter. I think that'll be an opportunity where Miller can have an impact. But if he's getting hot, you saw it last year with Edmund. It's like, well, you, I don't know where we're going to put him, but we, you got to kind of put him in the lineup. And I don't think it's a bad problem to have because inevitably guys will get hurt. Guys won't all be hot at the same time. And so you're going to want to try to mix and match a little bit. I think Brad Miller, it's a, it's a smart signing because it doesn't cost you anything to see 
if, you know, this guy, knock on wood, he stays healthy, to see if he's able to, to replicate what he did last year. And if he did, he's he's one of your better offensive producers, a guy that, you know, can potentially go on a little hot streak and look at, like, suddenly he's carrying you. I'm not saying he's going to bat third in your lineup. I'm not saying he's Paul Goldschmidt. But I'm saying there's enough of a track record, and you can explain away some of the, the years where he didn't perform by saying, here's what his injuries were, here's what he did to, to correct them, and here's what he's done since. I think there's enough of a track record here to say, yeah, you know what, this is a pretty interesting signing. And I, I'm uh, for me, I'm on board. I was on board yesterday. I'm even more a little bit on board today. And another guy that I'm excited to see uh, what he'll do when he gets into action. And the one caution, I would say, just hope he stays healthy. Because, again, he's had these surgeries. One was to a core issue. One was a hip issue. He had a torn labrum he was playing through. Uh, probably not very easy to, to produce offensively with a torn labrum. So I get it. But now that all those are through, he did have one stint on the on the DL or the IL last year, even after joining Philadelphia. Like, he got off to a hot start with them, had a little bit of an injury. He says he's completely fine. He says he feels like his legs are back under him now, which... I would imagine if you if you have you know you hit 30 home runs, you have basically two years that are either lost to injury or you succumb to injury during them. You're enduring, you're gritting through those injuries, and you know you're not 100, percent but you're trying to to get back to what you felt when you were having a lot of success. That can be grinding on you physically. It can more even than that can be grinding on you mentally. And so I think you know looks like he's in a good spot physically. Hopefully that stays the same, and if it does, I think his his mentality is exactly what Cardinals fans are going to to come to appreciate. Kind of a grinder kind of guy, doesn't care, you know, Cardinal way kind of guy. Like, we we joke about Cardinal way and and different stuff like that, but he really does seem like that kind of player. You know, I'm trying to think of a comparison. You know, I don't know if Eckstein is, is a perfect comparison, but, you know, kind of with just kind of the grit and the mentality that I think he'll bring uh, to, to to the plate and, and to, to his game in the field on a daily basis. I think Cardinals fans are going to appreciate it. So I've went on long enough about Brad Miller, excited about the signing. We'll see what happens as, you know, spring develops. But I, I did kind of want to touch on that a little more extensively today because I had just basically finished recording the podcast yesterday uh, when the Brad Miller news dropped. So I, I don't even think – I have to listen back. I don't even think I talked about it yesterday. So – uh, you know, yeah, we're 25 minutes into a podcast that is centered mostly on Brad Miller. So if you didn't know, the Cardinals signed Brad Miller. There you go. Um, with that, though, I don't think there's a whole lot else I have to say on today's show. Recording it a little bit later than I like to. And so if you're someone that likes to listen right when it comes out because you recognize that it's a show that I'm doing every day. And so, if you know, I'm not big-headed enough to think that anybody's doing that. But if you're doing that... Um, I'll try to figure out a better schedule to where I can maybe bring my microphone with me to the facility and uh, try to get these recorded a little bit earlier. But uh, of course, the uh, the gig for KMOV has got to come first for right now. Got to uh, you know get my writing in and get my stories up for them. So that's what I did. Would appreciate if you would check out that work as well. And I'm gonna just this is the, this is the gig right here. I'm gonna try to bring you as much Cardinals coverage as I can over the course of the next few weeks. So please follow along if you like hearing about the Cardinals, especially with what's going on down at spring camp. Send me a message on Twitter or on Anchor, whatever, uh, any way you want to, to be able to uh, say, hey, I'm interested in this. would like you to talk about this on the podcast. Or here's what I want to know. What did you see from such and such a player at, you know, Live BP today? Whatever the case might be, 
I'm looking to give you guys coverage, and I want to talk about what you want to hear about. Otherwise, what's the point of doing all this? So um, I appreciate you guys for sticking along with me. Follow the podcast if you're liking it. If you're interested in more Cardinals content, you can do so on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And, of course, I'll tweet the links. Uh, I'll put them out facebook.com slash bshafer12. I put a few videos on Facebook today. Put a few on Twitter. I'll keep doing that. Uh, you know, if you follow me on both places, you won't miss anything. So appreciate you guys for joining me for this episode. And it may be a little bit later in the day after camp gets done. Long day is down here in Jupiter, but I'm not complaining. The weather is beautiful. But with a little bit of a longer day, might be a little bit later in the day that I get these podcasts out uh, because I do want to cover it, cover the day's events right when they finish up rather than maybe recording at like 6 a.m. Uh, the next day. So I'm just going to kind of riff on what happens on a daily basis. And obviously when we get to games, I'll have so much more to talk about, but for right now, having a blast doing the show. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Hit me back with feedback as always. But if there's nothing else, if there's nothing further, I'm going to wrap it up here. This has been another edition of B-Shape Daily, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.